there. Welcome to Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Spock. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week, Scott introduced me to a film that he loves ever so much. I do. I do love this movie. It is one of the great mob classics of the 90s. Is it an American classic like High School Musical? <laughs> we are trying to forget that, Frankie. Oh, are we? We are. We are trying. How could you forget? We are trying to move past that because we are talking about a man's directorial debut in this movie. <gasps> we are talking about a Bronx tale. Ah, yes, Robert De Niro's directorial debut, a Bronx tale released in 1993. Yes, I, I was actually describing this to Frankie I'm like it is the least mob movie mob movie I think that exists yes because while we were watching it I was making some comparisons to Goodfellas which we also reviewed on this show if you want to look back in our little archives you can find that episode there are comparisons but it is I understand what you're saying because it's it is a mob movie, but the mob really is more of kind of like a backdrop yeah. than it is like an essential plot element. And you can tell that De Niro did take a lot of inspiration from his friend Martin Scorsese. Yes. So this movie is actually based on a play written by... The other star of this film, Chaz Palminteri, he wrote this kind of autobiographical one-man show, and it played sporadically throughout the 80s and 90s. And because of the critical success of this one-man show, a lot of people were trying to get at the rights to the movie, but Chaz wouldn't give it up because he wanted to play the character of Sonny in the film. So he wasn't willing to do the film with anybody that wouldn't agree to that. Yeah. And him and De Niro supposedly went into a 50-50 partnership to do this movie, all based on a handshake, supposedly, which is very old school Italian of them. (laughs) Very old school. You shake my hand, we know this is good. They both wanted something out of it. Chaz wanted to play Sonny and write the screenplay, and then... De Niro wanted to direct and play Lorenzo, who is another main character in the film. So I I think it worked out ultimately in the end. (laughs) Yes, it definitely did work out. One of the other big points I like to bring up with this movie is, yes, as I said before, it is a mob backdrop of a movie, but also it's a tale of two fathers. And you can almost tell that if you look at the poster they show, Mm -hmm. because it is Lorenzo... And Sonny... Yeah, the movie poster has both Lorenzo and Sonny in profile and little Calagero running in the middle of them. And that's basically what the movie is. It's kind of this kid in a sort of coming-of-age story in the midst of the the Bronx in the 60s, which was kind of overtaken by the mob. Yeah. Calagero or Calagero? Calagero. Cal- Calagero. He, he's the Calagero 
who is throughout most of the movie called C. So that's probably what we're going to do because Scott can't pronounce the name. No, I can't. He's not Italian enough. He's the the main character in the film and he plays the son, kind of caught in between two fathers, essentially. His biological father, who he grows up with, and his kind of surrogate mob father in Sonny. There's a lot in this movie, I, I do admit. But Frankie, since this is your first time seeing the movie... What is your general opinions of the movie? Uh, well, oddly enough, I know I just said that it reminded me of Goodfellas in parts. When I watched this for the first time, I noticed that I felt kind of similarly to how I felt when I watched Goodfellas for the first time, which is that I knew I was going to like it, but I didn't know I was going to like it as much as I did. I really, really love this movie. This is probably one of, if not my absolute favorite Robert De Niro performance. Yeah, if you couldn't tell, I have a thing for mob movies. I have a thing for musicals, and he has a thing for mob movies. <laughs> Goodfellas, Bronx Tale, Godfather, Godfather Part Two. I've watched all of these multiple times. This one has kind of fallen a little on the back burner because I do love Goodfellas so much. But watching this again, yeah, it brings back all those memories. It, it's great watching this movie because nobody's perfect in this movie yes it makes it feel very real absolutely that's that's the thing like i was on a bit of an emotional roller coaster while watching this movie which is what you want really in a, in a movie like this you want to be enraptured in the story and in the characters you get a, a well-rounded picture of all of the characters because they all do and say bad things but they also all do and say good things and you can see the good in everyone and also the not so good so it's it's incredibly well-rounded and you really can sink your teeth into the characters which is what i really enjoy yeah exactly and speaking of musicals scott did you know that a bronx tale was a musical on broadway it wouldn't shock me. The music in this is actually very good. I could see this translating decently well. Well, yes, that was one of the comparisons I made to Goodfellas when we were first started watching it. Immediately, the soundtrack was like doo-wop-y, very of-its-time music, like 60s, 50s, and I was like, ooh, okay. <laughs> but the musical kind of came to be after the play because there was a revival of the play also in like 2007. But then from... 2016 to 2018, A Bronx Tale the Musical was on Broadway with Chaz Palminteri, again, writing the book for the show, and the music provided by Alan Menken, oh, I know who, we- if you don't know who that is, was behind the music for Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Little Shop of Horrors, Newsies, very big Broadway genius. So <laughs> this has a little something for both Scott and me. <laughs> yes. Should we now get into the nitty gritty? Yes. So we open up with C has a narration going over the streets of the Bronx. And he's telling us how the Bronx is a lively place. There's doo-wop on every corner. Oh, yes. That reminded me of Rocky. <laughs> I was waiting for Frank Stallone to come out. The Yankees are a big part of life. He's a really big Mickey Mantle fan. It is 1960. And he talks about the guy he sees as he sits on the stoop, this guy, Sonny. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, stoop kid's afraid to leave his stoop. <laughs> and he just sits there and watches this guy, Sonny, played by Chaz Palminteri, as we said. Yeah. And Sonny 
something is bigger than life for him. And just in case you're confused as to who that guy is, the actor, because when I saw him, he looked familiar, but I couldn't place him. I looked him up on INDB. He's the detective in Usual Suspects. Yes, that's him too. That was That's, I feel like, the main thing that people would know him from. We also get introduced in this narration to Lorenzo, who is Robert De Niro's character, who plays a bus driver. Yes, he's a hard-working man, providing for his family. Yeah, and... Little C sometimes rides the bus with him, you know, and they listen to jazz music. Robert De Niro drops Little C off, tells him to go inside, but he sneaks over to the bar. Yeah, there's like a bar next door to their apartment building that's mob run. And this kid is very interested in the lifestyle and kind of the power that Sonny exudes. And that reminded me of Goodfellas as well, because it basically was just about Ray Liotta's character just being like a nobody, but being very interested and enthralled with the lifestyle of the mob. So he's enamored. He's introducing us to all these random mobsters. None of them who are really super important. But all have funny names because it's the 60s and they're in the mob. (laughs) Basically, yeah. But his mother catches him at the bar. And And she's giving him shit. Oh, she's giving him- Didn't I tell you not to come down here? Wait till I tell your father. (laughs) The really young character of C is played by a kid named Francis Capra. And I recognized him immediately, but I tried to point out to Scott, and he didn't. He's the kid from the absolute classic film, Kazam. <laughs> you know, Kazam, the one, the one where Shaq's a genie. Watch it, boy. You don't want to diss me, or I'll dish out my misery. Now, who's that sorry wannabe that disturbed my seeds? Oh, Shaq. I think it's actually on Disney Plus. It wouldn't shock me. Which I don't I, I don't remember that being a Disney movie, but I guess it is. I mean, don't you remember going on the infamous Kazam attraction at Disney World? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, you like fly around uh, on Shaq's boombox <laughs> as he yells rhymes at you for 20 minutes. <laughs> a well, lot of kids left crying <laughs> on that ride. <laughs> oh god. But yeah, the one thing I do see from people who don't appreciate Bronx Tale as much is a lot of people don't like young Mr. Capra's acting. I I mean, I don't have a problem with it. The kid actors, when we're in kitty time in the movie, they're all kind of obnoxious kid actors with their obnoxious bro- uh, Bronx accents. And we obviously, we live in New York. I grew up in Queens. I've heard many an obnoxious accent in my life. These are really obnoxious. <laughs> they are. At one point when uh, uh, Lorenzo asked him, why'd you lie to me where you were? He goes, I figured I'd try. You know. <laughs> I took a shot, Dad. <laughs> now let's go, let's go, uh, go see the Yankees. <laughs> They're cute. They have a cute relationship. We cut to the next day where Little C's with his two friends, Mario... And Slick. Because, you know, we live in New York and we're Italian, so we got names like Mario and Slick. There's a shot where they're getting in the face of, like, a street vendor. That was a weird <laughs> sequence. <laughs> the The camera work was very odd. It was like a fisheye yeah. lens. 
and the camera kept moving in and out and in and out and these kids faces you could like see the shadow of the camera on the kids faces it was so in there i'm like okay this is not working for me <laughs> it was it's a weird choice i mean to be fair though to de niro it was the only shot in the movie that threw me off everything else directing wise was great we'll talk about more as we go on like de niro's vision uh behind this movie when it comes to the music and the casting choices i feel like that's part of the reason why i like this movie so much is because you can just feel not just in de niro but in Chaz as well and really everybody in the movie that they really were they cared about making this right so uh little c is sitting with slick mario and this bus drives by with this African-American kid on the bus. Slick is very offended by black kids being in his neighborhood. And that is a running theme throughout the whole movie with him. Yeah, he's not he's a, a good guy. He's a racist little prick. And C, he doesn't defend the black kid, but he, he tries to calm his friends down and be like, listen, they're not bothering anybody. Like, just leave, leave them alone. But the friends, of course, don't listen to him and just scream racial epithets at this kid on the bus and start chasing the bus down the street and what i did appreciate about this part is that it's not sanitized at all i feel like in in a lesser movie they maybe would have tried to either sanitize it because they're kids or go way over the top with it to try and be like edgy but it it felt very real it felt authentic but it wasn't gratuitous. No, it wasn't gratuitous, at least not yet. It wasn't gratuitous, but it also made you uncomfortable watching it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it was like it told that line perfectly. So Lorenzo stops C from following them and sees sitting on the stoop as his friends chase after the bus. And he sees this argument over what he thinks is a parking space. And who comes running over but Sonny? I was like so shocked because it's the middle of the day. It's broad daylight. And Sonny shoots this guy. Yeah, I was like, holy fuck, it's the middle of the day. Yeah. <laughs> There's people everywhere. C is staring right at Sonny. So Lorenzo comes, picks up C because he was upstairs. Yeah, he brings him back upstairs to get him away from all the fucking madness. But then within like 10 minutes, they get a knock at the door and it's the police. And they're like, there are reports that your son saw everything. So you think the cops are going to be like, listen, come down to the station. We'll have you stand in a private room. And that way you can pick the perp out of a lineup, right? Wrong, 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 wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. These fucking cops, I don't know what kind of fucking cops are these. I have no fucking idea. But they literally say to this kid and his father, hey, you got to come down here right now in the middle of the street in front of everyone in the neighborhood while they stand and watch you and point out the shooter in front of everybody. I'm like, oh, that's great. So then after everything is said and done, they can come up and kill every single one of them. That's great. And Lorenzo is against this the whole time. He's like, he saw nothing. Yeah, hello. He he saw nothing. What what do you want from him? He didn't see anything. Yeah, he's... I love Lorenzo so much. And like we said in the beginning... He's a well-rounded character, so he's he's not a perfect person, which is, I like that, but he's just such a good dad. He's just trying, throughout this whole movie, his one objective is to protect his son, 
and well, it's just ah to provide for his family and protect his son. That's that's Lorenzo's motivation, and the cops, as Frankie said, drag C down to the diner, which is next door. All the mobsters are lined up on the wall, and have him go one by one and go. Was this the guy who shot him? And he goes down. No, no, no. And then he gets to Sonny. Sonny's looking at him. He's looking at Sonny. And it's it's great because it keeps coming back and forth, and you could tell. This is a tense moment. When he looks at me, and I look at him, and he looks at me, and I look at him, and he looks at me, and I look at him. Either way, you're in a losing situation, though. Because let's say the kid was like, it was him. He did it. Edna Beavers did it. Okay, then you're in trouble because this fucking mob boss is going to be after you for the rest of your life. But if you say no and you protect him, he's going to want to glom onto you like you're his buddy or something. And Lorenzo knows that. You can tell looking on his face. He's like, oh, fuck, either way, we're fucked here. But C says, no, it wasn't him. And, of course, the cops are pissed off. They're like, we know it was one of them. But Lorenzo brings C back after this whole scenario and goes you did a good thing for a bad guy and she was like i didn't really understand that but no because he's nine (laughs) that's the running thing too it's like whenever c asks a question especially when he's the really young nine-year-old c whether it's to sunny or lorenzo whoever they're like you'll understand when you're older yeah and lorenzo also tells him don't be like sunny sunny is wasted talent the worst thing in the world is wasted talent. That was a really good speech that he had with his son. And also, at some point, he mentions people don't really respect Sonny. They fear him. There's a difference. And again, Calagero doesn't really understand that. But he will when he's older. <laughs> so the next day, when C gets dropped off at home, Lorenzo gets a visit on his bus from Johnny Whispers. Who is... Oh, yes. Doesn't that sound... I don't even have to tell you that's a mob person, do I? You already know. Johnny Whispers offers Lorenzo a job. He goes, hey, I'll offer you $150 a week. Which in the 60s is a decent chunk of change. Yeah. To run numbers for a must. Bring uh, these numbers from one place to another. And Lorenzo's like, I I got a job as a bus driver. If they pinch me, I lose my job. No, thank you. Yeah, and it's funny because even the wife, when Lorenzo tells his wife that, she kind of like thinks about it for a second, like, well, that's a good, you know, $600 a month, that's not bad. And he's like, no, I don't want fucking dirty mob money in my house, which is like, you know, fair. He's an honorable man, an honorable, hardworking man. We love that. Guys, take notes. We don't need fancy rich guys in their fancy suits. We don't need that shit. We want a hard-working, respectable man. Bitch, me too. The fuck? And it's funny because Lorenzo and his wife uh, are talking about it, and he even says to her, he's like, you're not sorry you married a, a bus driver, are you? And she turns to him and she says, I fell in love with your uniform. And I was like, "Oh, that's something I would say, I feel like. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I just fell in love with you because you're a hard-working man. Yeah. That's why I fell in love with Scotty. Yeah, I have the calluses to prove it. <laughs> so, Sonny gets whispers to bring C over to the bar. And little C walks in. 
And Sonny's like, thank you. You know, you did a good thing. Oh, my God. I was so angry. There were several times where I was angry. The first time was with the cops grabbing little C and bringing him out in the street. I got angry again at this because you're a grown man and you just go up to this random kid on the street. You're lucky I'm not his mother. I would have fucking ran after you with a fucking rolling pin like one of those... (laughs) fucking cliched old-fashioned moms like get the fuck away from my boy and he finally looks at sonny he goes did you really shoot a guy over a parking spot and sonny goes you'll understand when you're older ah (laughs) and now she starts working for the mob (laughs) because you know that's that's cool he he fucking skips school that was fucking stupid too because fucking sonny says to see multiple times throughout the movie i want you to go to school and go to college da, da, da. but meanwhile you have him fucking skipping school and coming to your bar and working for you that don't make sense but he's getting tips so it's fine like fuck you uh he brings drinks to the gang and then he rolls some dice for them. He won $600. Oh, my God. The dice scene. Can we talk about the dice scene yeah, for a second? Talk about the dice oh, scene. my God. That was one of the funniest scenes. Okay. So it's meant to just show how he is becoming involved with the, the mob and he's actually becoming close to Sonny. And the dice scene is great because it's, it does show Sonny's power because there's all these guys gambling in like the basement of the bar. And whenever someone even like slightly irritates him even a little bit he just screams out put him in the bathroom get him out of here put him in the bathroom jojo stop fucking breathing on me you're killing me over here i'm on a fucking wind streak stop breathing on me huh bobby put him in the bathroom sonny eddie mush is in there he ain't gonna fit i don't give a fuck put him in and by the end of the scene there's like four guys just crammed in this tiny little bathroom well yeah especially because one of the guys is like 400 pounds but yes, uh, Calogero is getting in deep. One day as he's leaving the bar, Sonny says to him, hey, you know, we got to do something about your name. Because Calogero, I, I can't fucking say that. He's like, Scott, I can't fucking say that every time. <laughs> I'm going to call you C. So that th- from that point on, his name is C. Now being Sonny's boy, as he says, people call him Sonny's boy, people start taking care of him. The little uh, the fruit vendor he had issues with earlier starts giving him free peaches. Ah, but then Lorenzo finds a big stack of money hidden in Calogero's room, and he fucking goes off on him. He's like, "What the fuck do you mean you're working for Sonny? What the fuck are you talking about?" So he fucking takes C, drags him down to the bar to return the money and tell Sonny to stay the fuck away from his kid. And the fucking wife, I, mm, this wife, I liked her for a hot minute. But then she keeps his like, oh, we can keep the money. He already made the money. Who cares? But it's like, bitch, he doesn't want mob money in his house. That's a fair. She also does tell him to calm down because, you know, going over to the mob boss and yelling at him. It's probably not the best idea. But that's my son, and you don't fucking try to drag my son into your fucking business. uh, My nine-year-old son. uh, Don't get me wrong. I don't care. I would have done the same thing. Go, Lorenzo. Yes, uh, don't get me wrong. Again, it's just like a fight-or-flight instinct because this guy is probably killed for a lot less. True. So Lorenzo goes down to the bar with little C in tow, returns the money, and... Basically, tell Sonny, stay the fuck away from my kid. And Sonny tells him, 
respect and all that good stuff for being a hard worker and it all. We offered you the job, but your kid took it. You know? Yeah, you can't. Oh my God. I, I'm incensed just listening to this. <laughs> I immediately glommed onto Lorenzo because he has a little scuffle with Sonny and they kick him out of the bar and then he's taking C back home. The conversation they have going home was like Mwah, chef's kiss performance wise like it was so good well, yeah, and he's just like begging his son to understand but he can't because he's a kid and he even says little c he's like sonny says the working man's a sucker and that shows up multiple times too it, it's it's basically this whole movie is like a battle between two philosophies of life do you want to work hard and have pride in your work but maybe not make a whole lot of money but at least know that you can provide for yourself and your family and have pride in that or do you want to get ahead do you want to get ahead have lots of money but do a lot of bad things to get there maybe not be able to sleep so good at night <laughs> and lorenzo in the middle of this argument does slap his son yeah and it's it's just sad at the end the kid is crying and he's he's just he just says i don't understand dad and he's like i know you don't it's okay you'll understand when you're older and he picks his son up and he holds him and he apologizes for hitting him and it's just a sad scene and then we fast forward eight years into the future yes we're in 1968 and we get introduced to teenage calgero teenage c played by lilo brancato and this is his film debut he was actually discovered randomly by De Niro at Jones Beach because De Niro made a point to hire non-actors that actually were from New York. But as far as behind the scenes with this particular kid actor, unfortunately, art kind of imitated life during filming for this movie. You know, the, the kid had never acted before. So I guess, you know, being in that world, it was kind of a lot for him. So he actually got into drugs during the filming of this movie. Despite the fact that Robert De Niro, like, purposely set out to try to take him under his wing and kind of warn his parents, who were actually Italian immigrants, about, like, hey, you know, this business is a lot for a young kid. You know, maybe keep an extra eye on him. But unfortunately, he, he got into a lot of uh, criminal activity, a lot of drug activity. He went to prison for a while. He actually got out of prison in 2013 after a pretty serious armed robbery charge. But fortunately, he's been sober now for like 13 years, supposedly, and he's gotten back into acting. So he seems to be on the straight and narrow now. But it's just kind of crazy how this movie is about a, a young kid kind of coming of age in a in a world that is really just rife with criminal activity and really dark shit. And unfortunately, this kid kind of fell into that as well. But it seems like he's come out the other side. And he is a good actor in this movie, I gotta say. Yeah, he does a very good job. You, uh, you, and it's great that he's not an actor. Like, it, it worked in the movie's favor. Sometimes when movies go that way, and they, especially uh, with young actors who haven't acted before, it, it sometimes doesn't work out. But you believe this kid... Yeah. As little teenage C growing up as a kid in the Bronx in the 60s. Indeed. And him and his buddies are hanging out at a club that is called the Deuces. Oh, yeah. They're they're a bunch of punks, you know, just chilling with their fedoras and their 
cheap suits and they're chilling in front of the place and they're smoking cigarettes because they're cool. Yeah. And of course, a black family is driving a car and we get... Again, racist... Which one is it? Mario Slick or... It's Slick. Whichever one. They're all fucking idiot, racist, dumbass kids. And again, C is like, hey, just relax. They're not bothering anybody. Like, just shut the fuck up. While he's chilling there, his father pulls up on the bus and he goes, hey, C, come over here. And you can tell C and Lorenzo aren't in the place they were earlier. Right, but it it doesn't really seem... It seems like a typical father and teenage kid type relationship for example they're sitting on the bus and c originally sits on the opposite side lorenzo's like hey come over here sit by me and then they're listening to the same old jazz music but c is like dad when are you gonna start playing real music and lorenzo's like you don't know what real music is and it's like okay we get it it's it's cute it's fine yeah, it's definitely a cute, like, little thing. Like, But you can tell C's now grown up. Yes. And, oh my God, can we talk? get get to the good part of the scene? <laughs> C's kind of zoning his father out. This His father's talking to him about something they want to do later on. And C looks at a girl. A cute African-American girl. And I was like, oh, I get it. That's why they keep doing this like racist shit because he's going to start dating a black girl. And Scott's like, yep. I was like, oh, my God. And the scene is like the cutest scene. They're like making eyes at each other. And they're both so freaking cute. And the way it's shot, the music in the background is romantical sounding and like suave and like, ooh, kind of jazz music. And you can hear lorenzo talking in like muffled tones and c is answering him but he's totally not paying attention and the music just completely drowns him out as he's staring at this girl and that's how it is when you get kind of the fluttery butterflies when you see a girl or guy that you like you're just like totally transfixed and i thought it was a really cute and clever way to shoot that scene lorenzo drives c home and he pulls away and c goes over and talks to sonny and sonny's imparting wisdom to him sonny's like if i could have a choice to be feared or to be loved i would rather be feared i feel like sonny maybe wants to help C be a good person and be a better person than he is which is essentially what Lorenzo wants to but I feel like Sonny isn't really capable of that because of the life he lives and the kind of person he is like Sonny basically flat out tells C you know don't be like me don't be like me but you're the one that brought him into your life and your business you know what I mean and he sees you exuding all this power and having all this stuff and this money like obviously that's going to appeal to him because he's young and stupid so it's kind of hypocritical for him to be like don't be like me see but yeah come come with me on my walkabouts as I pump my chest up and like make everyone see how cool I am like it's just I don't know and then we get the motorcycle gang that interrupts Sonny and of course goes into the mob bar to cause a problem 
Oh yes, it's a uh, it's the age old battle between the biker gang and the mob. <laughs> and the mob kicks the shit out of the biker gang. And it's a fun scene. It kind of reminded me of the scene in Goodfellas in the bar where Joe Pesci starts that fight and yeah beats up Joe. Go, yeah, goes off and Robert De Niro's like kicking the guy in the head. It's like a whole thing. But I liked the musical choices in this because it starts out the fight is over the song come together by the beatles which obviously i'm down for because i love the beatles but then halfway through the fight it there's just a stark change in the music and it goes to like some 50s doo-wop group harvey and the moon glows singing the song called the ten commandments of love and it's just such a stark flip that it's like jarring almost but it kind of works for the scene because c is standing there in the middle of this bar watching this whole fight break out and it's like just like totally discombobulating so it kind of works for the scene yeah it's a brutal scene so sunny goes to c goes why don't you come to the boxing match with me tonight and she goes, I would, but I'm going with my father already. Oh, yeah. this The, the scene in the boxing ring is kind of rough. C and his father go to the match, and they're kind of up in the nosebleeds. And C notices Sonny down, like, right by the ring, like, first row. And he's kind of, like, jealous. He's like, oh, damn, I wish I was down there. And one of uh, Sonny's flunkies comes up and he's like, hey, if you guys want to come down, you can sit with us. And Lorenzo's like, no, it's all right. We're good where we are. And they have this back and forth and it kind of breaks your heart. Lorenzo's like, hey, if you want to be down there, go be down there. But how do you think that's going to make me feel? And it's like, oh, God. He's like, I don't but I don't want to be here with you if you'd rather be down there with him. And it's like, oh, God, it's like heartbreaking. It is. It, it, again, it shows the contrast between the two men who are his two father figures in his life. This is where I realized like I'm clearly an adult because I feel like if I was a kid watching this, I would feel more for C. But uh, at this point, I'm watching the movie. I'm like, oh, poor Lorenzo. He's just a fucking hardworking bus driver trying to make a fucking living and make a good son. This is fucking bullshit, man. So we cut to the next day. He sees his crush. This is another one where, like, the music is chef's kiss. Because while C is walking around with his friends, but also enamored with this beautiful African-American girl, the music is totally drowning out everything else. And over the scene is a doo-wop version of I Only Have Eyes For You. I only have eyes for you. And it's just so, it totally drowns out everything else going on in the scene because he's just so enamored with this girl. Yeah, he watches her walk outside and he basically like, okay guys, uh, I'll see you later. He ditches his friends and he goes, okay. This is my one shot to go talk to this girl. She probably has like some exotic name like Monique or Danielle. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> and then he goes and introduces himself to her. And her name is Jane. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's it? <laughs> and then he's like, oh, my, well, my name is Calagero. And I'm like, yeah, you really should be talking about exotic names there, sir. But he agrees to walk her home. 
their meeting and chatting and flirting is extremely cute. But then as we get closer and closer to Jane's neighborhood, people, they're looking at them like with side eye, like what the fuck is going on here? Why is she walking with this white boy? Jane says, okay, I'm going to walk the last couple blocks, but thank you for walking me this far. And she's like, yeah, no problem. Uh, I'll see you at the movies. I'll, I'll pick you up right in front of the school. He leaves. Next, we cut to him meeting up again with his friends at the Deuces. And Slick sees a couple of African-American kids riding their bikes. And he flips out and hauls off on one of them. Yeah, he just picks up like a trash can and beats one of the kids over the head. And then all of a sudden, it just ba- breaks out into a huge brawl. And I, I was hoping and praying that C would stand up to them and be like stop and try to stop the fight altogether and he doesn't but at one point slick or mario or luigi or whatever the fuck friend it is <laughs> i don't even fucking know it doesn't matter he he's beating up this one black kid and he tells c get on top of him while i go get this other one and c does it he gets on top of him but he, he's not beating him up he's just trying to hold him down and get him to calm down like i'm trying to help you i'm trying to keep you from getting fucking just chill out i felt that's the thing about this movie it's like you don't nobody's all good and nobody's all bad did he beat up this kid no but did he try to put a stop to the brawl that was happening the fucking attack no and like you kind of understand where he's coming from like he doesn't want to get beat up himself because obviously if he tries to defend these black kids the friends are just gonna beat his ass up well, yeah, his friends are going like, to so, mock him. and Yeah, like, I, I get it. And he's a kid. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you got to stand up for what's right. You yeah. know, in a, in a typical movie, that's what would happen. This would be the point where C stands up to his friends and, said, leave them, and says, leave them alone. But that's not what happens. And you have kind of a weird taste in your mouth afterwards. Yep. So he finally gets them to go away and he goes over to Sonny. Yeah, and C starts talking to him about Jane and, like, how he really likes her, but he's worried about how his friends are going to react when people see that he's dating a black girl. And Sonny has a rare moment of goodness and clarity, and he's like, hey, it really doesn't matter what anybody fucking says. If you care about her and she cares about you, that's all that matters. Yeah, so he goes, everybody's got three great women in their life, C. Unfortunately, I had all of mine at 16. What are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? But you got to give him the test. He goes, you give him the door test. What's the door test? You get out of the car, open the door for her. Then you let her get in. Then you close the door for her. Then you walk around the back of the car and you look through the rear window. If she doesn't reach over, lift up that button for you so you can get in, dump her. And he's like, wait, what was up? What about all that stuff you said about follow your heart and stuff? He's like, just listen to what I'm saying, kid. Do the door test. 90% of the time, it works every, every time. time. <laughs> so he goes, you know what? How about you take my car to go on this date with Jane? We cut to see getting ready for the date in his apartment. And Lorenzo walks in as he's shaving and he goes, hey, dad, my buddy is thinking about dating an African-American girl. What do you think about that? And he goes, well, your buddy can't find a good Italian girl? Yeah, and you get kind of like a feeling because he essentially says like, oh, you know, 
I like everybody. You know, I, I get along with everybody on the bus and everybody's, I'm, you know, I'm, you know me, I'm nice with everybody. But I just feel like, you know, when it comes to marriage, I, you know, I just feel like everybody should stay with their own kind. And it's like, ugh. and, you, you know, you everybody knows somebody like that. Everybody knows somebody who has that kind of learned prejudice kind of baked in them. And the thing is, you learn as you get older, and this might be a hot take, especially considering the climate that we're in nowadays, but people that have those kind of learned prejudices, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are like the spawn of Satan. Like You know what I mean? It's like that song in um, Avenue Q. Everyone's a little bit racist sometimes. Doesn't mean we go around committing hate crimes. Everyone has those learned biases. And unfortunately, so does Lorenzo. And it kind of just starkly shows you in this movie that there's good and bad in everyone, you it's, know. It's all about the younger generation also getting over that. Right, And exactly. that's what C is. When he looks at Jane, he obviously knows that she's a black girl, but he doesn't really see that first when he looks. He just sees a pretty girl that he really likes. And that's what he should see because she's a pretty girl and she's really nice. So, yeah, obviously you'd be attracted to her. C isn't perfect either. He says and does racist shit. It's just not as overt as some of his dumbass friends. Uh, especially in the scene we're about to get to. Right. So it's really just a matter of who you are in your soul and like if you're willing to acknowledge that you have biases and get over them. Get over them and try to be better and learn about right exactly so i like that this movie evokes that conversation yeah exactly so c gets the car from sunny drives over to school oh god to go pick up jane oh boy and jane comes walking over and goes my brother got beat up by a couple of italian kids were you there he goes no no i wasn't there oh damn it c and Jane's brother comes out, and it's the kid that that C was holding down earlier. And he goes, "Yeah, that's one of those Italian motherfuckers." Yeah, and the brother is obviously very upset, but and C starts going off on him. He's like, "I was trying to help you. I was trying to help you, man." And and Jane is like, "You just said you weren't there. What the fuck? You just lied to me." And he's like, "No, no, no. I was there, but I didn't do anything to him." And he starts yelling at the brother, "You know, it's those other guys that did that to you." Da da da. And they're arguing back and forth. And I'm thinking during this time, I'm like, okay, I'm bummed because obviously I, I liked him and Jane together. But I'm like, he had this coming, not for nothing. He was struggling with it, yes, obviously. He wanted to do what he thought was the right thing by holding the guy down and not hitting him in the face or anything, but holding him down and trying to keep him from getting hit anymore. But he ultimately didn't do the right thing. Yeah. Because he didn't stop the damn fight. And the argument is escalating and escalating. And it ends with C screaming out to this guy, shut up, you N-word. And it's like, oh, my God. It, it, you could just, oh, it was awful. Awful. And and the brother looks at them and looks at Jane and goes, see, they're all the same. Yeah. And then they leave. And I was like, wow. Okay. So that's how it ends. And I was like, okay. I mean, it was it was horrible and it was a great scene, and I'm, but it 
it sucked. I thought that, you know, this is good because it's going to teach him a lesson about doing the right fucking thing. And that would be the end of that. But that's not where we leave off. So C drives the car back. His father sees that he's driving Sonny's car through the window. And he drives the car back to Sonny, drops it off, and go. And Sonny goes, oh, you're back early. What happened? He goes, I don't want to talk about it, Sonny. He goes, Sonny goes, you want to go out with us? He goes, Sonny, n- not tonight. And he walks away. And he walks into his house. And his father goes on. And then he goes, why the hell were you driving Sonny's car? And he goes, Dad, I don't want to do this tonight. And he goes, and Lorenzo starts going off on him. He goes, I told you to stay away from that fucking bar. I told you Sonny's no good. He's wasted talent. And he goes, you're a working man, and work working men are suckers. And Yeah, you worked your whole life as a bus driver, and you're jealous of Sonny because he's got all this money and power and whatnot. And we don't even own a car. Yeah, we don't even own a car. We have nothing to show for all this hardworking stuff. The working man's a sucker. And he says he basically says, fuck you, and leaves. C walks out and sees distraught now. He's like, he is... He's, as he says in one of his narrations, he, he's in a toilet bowl and he's getting flushed down. So he's walking down the street and then suddenly Sonny pulls up with his cronies and they grab him and Sonny pushes him against the wall and starts slapping. He goes, what the, where the hell did you take that car? And he goes, what are you talking about, Sonny? I just took it to the, the school to pick up the girl and I drove it back to you. He goes, there was a fucking bomb in the car that didn't go off. Yeah, and he basically is, like, trying to shake down C for information, thinking he did something. And C is, like, crying at this point, screaming, like, I would never do that to you. You're like a father to me. Why Why would you think that? And he pushes him off and just walks away, like, hysterical crying. And it, it, he did good. That was a good moment because it's just, like, this kid has had a fucking day <laughs> so far. And it ain't even over yet. Yeah, so Sonny lets him go. He walks off. And Lorenzo comes up to Sonny and goes, what the hell? Why is my son crying? What the fuck did you do? And fucking Sonny just knocks him to the ground and goes, before you start anything, learn what happened before you fucking get involved. And then fucking leaves Lorenzo on the floor. And then, you know, I just fucking hate uh, Sonny 150% or all back again because he's a fucking asshole. This is his son and he wants to know what the fuck he's doing running around in the streets in the middle of the night getting jostled by your fucking dumbass and you're fucking beating his ass up. I love Lorenzo. I'm sorry. I know he's got issues but he's a good dad. <laughs> he just wants to make sure his kid's okay. Yeah and so as C sees his friends and he's like and his buddies are like hey come on over here see it's all good and he comes in he gets scrunched in the back seat in the middle of the car and his friends go yo we're gonna get back at those black bastards who egged our fucking uh our social club the deuces we're gonna go take these Molotov cocktails and light their bar on fire yeah cause you know that's normal that's a normal response to eggs to eggs yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, oh yeah, let's escalate this extremely to the point where it doesn't need to be escalated to. Like, I don't think eggs and fire are on the same playing field. No, not even the slightest. 
So they're driving over to the bar, and they get to the red light, and C is having a freak out. He's smiling, but he's like, in his head, he goes, I need to get out of here, but I can't get out of here because these guys will just call me a wimp, a weenie. Like, they'll mock me for the rest of my life. I'm stuck here. I am literally stuck here. And as he's freaking out, who pulls up next to the car but Sonny? And Sonny goes to C, goes, C, get out of the fucking car. You're coming with me. And Slick is like, oh, he's fine. He's with us. And he goes, shut the fuck up. Takes Slick's head and smashes his fucking nose into the dashboard. (laughs) Thank you kindly. I needed someone to do that at some point in this movie for me to feel better. (laughs) And he goes, C, get out of the fucking car. You're coming with me. And so C gets out of the car, goes with Sonny. And he gets into the back of Sonny's car and he goes, Sonny, how could you think I would do that to you? Don't you trust anybody? No. It's a horrible way to live. For me, it's the only way. Not for me. Not for me. This is the first time, really, that C is like, I don't think I really want to be like Sonny at all because I I don't want to live my life like this like everyone being scared of me and in return me not trusting anyone in my life like I just I can't live like that and it's the first time you kind of see him having a little blossom of like growing up and understanding you know how everyone was like you'll understand when you're older like he's starting to get it the light's coming on and it's like oh okay finally (laughs) Finally, yes, it's 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 coming together. So they get back to the bar, and one of the other gangsters goes, "Oh, hey, see, some girl came by. She was looking for you." I was shocked. I was like, "Wait, what? No, it's not. It's not Jane." And Scott's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "What? What?" <laughs> and he goes, "Oh, she's just left. If you if you go run down that way, you can still catch her." So, C of course runs off after Jane. I was surprised. I really didn't think she was going to come back because he ultimately finds her and they talk and she forgives him. Essentially, she's like, yeah, my brother told me that you really did try to help him and you weren't actually beating him up. But I was like, not conflicted, but in my head, I was like, I'm glad she came back. But at the same time, if she didn't come back, it would have been totally understandable, even though he didn't beat up her brother. He was there. He was there and he was a part of it. Like he has culpability in the attack. I, you know, I don't want to call it a fight because the fucking kids didn't even fight back really. They didn't get a chance. It was an attack. It was an attack. And also, you know, he called the brother an N word too. So let's not forget that either. No, no, that wasn't good. So, yeah, like, I mean, again, sees a good kid ultimately i think deep down so i i'm glad that she came back and was able to recognize at least that much and give him a chance they have a nice talk and they kiss and it's a very very sweet moment but yeah it was interesting that they had her come back because i feel like it could have very easily just been you lost your chance you fucked up and this is the consequence of that well then she goes oh shit my friends are about to go Molotov a bar. In your neighborhood, we should go. <laughs> we should go. 
And he opens the door for her. She gets in. He goes around the back. But he looks in through the back window. And what does Jane do? She opens the car door for him. And he jumps up like in the air. Yes! <laughs> He's so happy because she is one of the great ones. And I can argue you should have figured that out already when she forgave you for calling her brother the N-word and being involved in an attack on several black kids in the neighborhood. It's fine though. We'll let that go. Yeah, well, it's funny. It's a nice moment. We'll let this ha- we'll let this nice moment just be. Well, it's funny because when he gets into the car, he goes, "I always knew you were one of the great ones." She goes, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> he goes, it- "It's an Italian thing. Don't worry about it." <laughs> oh, and at one point, he says to her, "Do you know how to make sauce?" <laughs> and, and she's like, "Shut up and kiss me." <laughs> That was a cute moment too. You know how to make sauce. So I forgive. I forgive the moment for its ambiguity and its rightness. Okay, I forgive the moment. It's still good. Yeah. So we cut to the friends now maltoving and shooting. By the way, shooting. They have guns. I did not realize they had guns too. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, they're shooting into this bar. They're throwing Molotov cocktails, lighting it on fire. But one of the patrons of the bar grabs um, grabs their own Molotov cocktail and throws it at the friend's car, setting it ablaze, and it blows up, killing everybody. Oh, my God. That was insane. Because obviously I knew something was going to happen because this is like a huge tension-filled fucking moment. I was scared because... I thought that uh, Jane and C were going to show up and one of them was going to get shot. But I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Let's just put it that way. And it's crazy because they show like these fucking racist, obnoxious, snot-nosed piece of shit kids literally burning alive. It's really crazy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's dark as hell. But you know what? These fuckers had it coming. They're on fire, and C and Jane pull up. Uh, Jane runs up to her brother and goes, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. Uh, And C's looking at the charred corpses of his buddies. Meanwhile, everyone in this neighborhood is basically cheering these kids' deaths and is yelling at C to get the fuck out of their neighborhood. And everyone with the exception of Jane and her brother who are like, dude, you should just get out of here. And C apologizes to the brother and he's like, it's all good, man, but you should go before everyone goes crazy on you. Yeah, and he does have one last moment where he looks at his friends who, well, he looks at his friends' bodies Mm. and goes, Sometimes when I think about it, I don't know if I should have been happy or sad. Happy because I was alive or sad because my friends were dead. Yeah, and he kind of has this epiphany in that moment that, like, oh, my God, Sonny saved my life. Because if I was in that car when all this went down, I would be dead, too. I need to go find Sonny and thank him for saving my fucking life. So he, he says goodbye to Jane and the brother, and he runs off, and he goes to find Sonny. Yep, and he goes to the bar, and Sonny's with everybody there having a good time. And he's like, he's trying to get through, trying to get to Sonny. He goes, Sonny, I'm over here. And Sonny's like, yeah, come over. Come on, C, come over. And C then starts narrating. He goes, and then I saw a guy who clearly looked like he didn't belong walking over. And Frankie's like, 
oh my god wait what, what's, what's about to happen what what yeah i was like oh no is this how i knew i knew what was gonna happen i'm like oh my god is this happening right now right now he's gonna get shot <laughs> are you fucking kidding me and sure enough this guy walks behind sunny and right as he's pulling up his gun see scream and sunny gets shot in the back of the head he's dead chaos ensues and i'm just like (laughs) my mind was blown i was like oh my god and it turns out this was the kid of the guy that sunny shot eight years ago in the beginning of the fucking i could not believe i was blown away i was like oh that's fucking good oh my god it was fucking nuts so we cut to sunny's funeral yes it's so crazy because we have such a stark contrast from everything that's happened in the last like 20 minutes in the movie and now here we are and the whole like last 10 minutes is so somber and quiet c's narration basically talks about you know how, of course, he's sad that Sonny's gone and he is standing over his coffin and is thanking him for saving his life and telling him about Jane and he thinks she's one of the great ones and everything. And he mentions that there's all these flowers all over the funeral home. But he looks around at all these wise guys that are supposedly Sonny's dearest and nearest friends and they're just like, chatting with each other and bullshitting like it's just a normal run-of-the-mill Tuesday (laughs) and it's like C looks around and he's like wow like Sonny was right nobody really cares about him it's just you know he was powerful and they were scared of him and then everybody clears out and it's just C there and C's just sitting over Sonny's body and the first person that walks in is Joe Pesci yeah, Joe Pesci's in this movie for like five minutes. <laughs> and he plays like essentially Sonny's r- replacement as like the mob boss of the neighborhood. And he basically says to C like, hey, you know, if you need anything, I know how close you and Sonny were. If you need anything, just let me know. Come down to the bar and I'll, I'll hook I'll hook you up. And C was like, uh, no, thanks. I'm going to stay away from the bar for a while, but I appreciate it. And the guy's like, I understand. And then he just leaves. <laughs> yeah, he leaves Joe Pesci for five minutes of work. Because, you know, he's De Niro's buddy and De Niro's like, hey, I got this part. You know, you only got to come in for a couple hours. What do you say? I'll pay you handsomely. Yeah, pretty much. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> That's how you get Pesci to work now. Uh, but then uh, basically the movie ends with De Niro coming in and Lorenzo is has come to pay his respects to his son's friend and it's like oh my god this guy is a fucking amazing dad like he had so many problems with c's relationship with sonny and he hated this guy and what he represented and what he was doing to his son and everything but he still respects and loves his son enough to understand that like this guy meant something to him so i'm gonna go pay my respects it's like Oh, God, he's such a fucking good dad. <laughs> yeah, and we get a little line from C. He goes, see, so some people did actually care. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's how we end the fucking movie. Like, I love this movie because it's this kid growing up. It's this kid basically becoming a man and 
understanding again that there's good and bad in everyone and he he basically grew up with these two father figures in his life and he took the best of both of them essentially and is now really becoming the man that he should be and it's just ugh, it's good shit it's but, good shit man but that's just another bronx tale ah, ah, he said it he said it ah yeah they say that in the ending narration and it's like ah he said the title <laughs> roll credits oh wait we're actually rolling credits uh, but yeah, that was a Bronx Tale, and uh, it's great. It really is, yeah. I was very pleased, pleasantly surprised at how much I like this movie. It's actually, for a movie that is like, oh yeah, it's a boy growing up, the mob's involved, I think it's a more complex story than I feel like most people give it credit for. Yeah, I feel like there are a lot of heavy themes in this. And those themes aren't necessarily like sanitized movie presentations of themes. Like usually in movies in general, heavier themes are kind of cut up with like a little cookie cutter to present really nicely and easily to the audience. Like this is the right thing and this is the wrong thing. The main character almost did the wrong thing but then he turned around and did the right thing and now it's a happy ending and everything is wonderful and it's like that's not what this movie is it is the good the bad and everything in between and that's life yeah it does make this movie feel very real yes like if you would well a because it was based off an autobiographical story Yes, I think because A, it was based off an autobiographical story to begin with, but also because of the actors in this movie, they all have that background of living in New York and, you know, having that kind of experience, some of which weren't even like trained actors going into this. So you got that realism just dripping from them and it came across perfectly on the screen exactly and i love this movie i really do it is one of the best mob movies out there again if you've seen the godfather you've seen goodfellas but maybe if you haven't seen a bronx tale i recommend you watch it i really do i do as well so frankie what did you rate a bronx tale I gave it a four out of five stars. I had a great time. There were a couple of camera moments that were a little off-putting. <laughs> but overall, I think the story and the acting and the writing, it all came together really, really well. Yes, I definitely agree with you. It's Everything came together extremely well. <laughs> Leia's telling us that we should end recording. Uh Give us one moment. I'll take you upstairs in a second. Oh, God. So, uh, yeah, this is a great movie from beginning to end. I love all the actors. I've watched this movie a hundred times. I'll probably watch it a hundred more. I gave this a five out of five. And I love it. I do. I, I've always loved it. It's probably my fourth favorite mob movie. But, again, you talked about comparing it with Godfather and Goodfellas. So, it, it, you know, what the fact that I can even talk about it in the same breath as those insta-classics 
is impressive, especially for a man's directorial debut. Yes, indeed, indeed. Yeah, again, uh, this is a rarity where Scott actually shows me a movie and I'm glad I watched it. Yay! I think I've shown you a lot of good movies over this span. I'm just kidding. So next week, we will be returning to the Harry Potter series with Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Very exciting. So until then, this has been Shoot the Flick, an official Paradoja podcast. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick. Check out our episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our magical, wizardastic Wingardium Leviosa horrific I don't know what I'm saying anymore movie adventure but that's just a Hogwarts tale oh no on the streets of the Bronx is where I wanna be on the corner